The following podcast is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. It should not be substituted for professional medical or psychological advice. Before beginning or changing a treatment plan, please consult your local healthcare professional. Welcome back to Biopsycho Socially Distant. And a month-long break that I think I think we both needed. We both decided. I mean, we got a lot done. You um well, we recognize cat maternity in this company. Yes, this is true. We do. And I lost power for a stupid amount of time. Um, up in our area of the country, we had a tropical storm that took the <laughs> that took the area by storm and was probably grossly underestimated. And a lot of oh us, yes, it was. A lot of us lost power for way too long, and a lot of us um, have wells, so a lot of our bathrooms um, suffered. Yes. So we had a month long break, but you know we're back and we're ready and able to bring you more medical oddities. Yes. I went on vacation, as as my grandmother would say, vacation. Vacation. Um, last week, which was tremendous. Oh. And, of course, I got a kitten. I mean, you know that, but. A new addition to our little family. Yes. Luna, Miss Luna, who I'm actually recording this on my sister's computer because Luna is obsessed with water, and she knocked an entire cup of water onto my laptop. (gasps) My laptop is deceased now, so I had to borrow. Oh, I remember when when Trapper was a kitten, he was, until still to some degree, um, is obsessed with cords. Mm -hmm. So Trapper turned the internet off in the house more than once. Oh, thanks, Trapper. Thanks, Trapper. Oh, and Luna. Um, so they're really, they're very much kindred spirits. So Luna is racking up an IT bill as well, I see. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, so I have a, a new computer coming in. I don't know. I ordered it. I think it should be here next week. But Is there some yeah. sort of, is there some sort of um, warranty you can get on, <laughs> on um, electronic devices, accidents of feline? I wish you could. That I mean, that laptop was 10 years old, so <laughs> it was time anyways. Luna, like, knocked over that water. Might get yeah, time for a new one, Mom. Yep. She was like, Mom, I know you want a computer you can play The Sims on, so let's just get rid of this one. Oh, somebody should do that with my cell phone. I know I need to get a new one. <laughs> it, it crashes, like, once a day. I'll do it. <laughs> can you, I'll like... Throw it in a body of water. I mean, can we do it like outside of the cell phone store? Because I really don't want to deal with <laughs> not having one for a while. Yes. Not because I'm like so attached to technology. I mean, it's 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 my alarm clock. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you I can ca- find, we'll find a deep puddle in the parking lot. How about that? Perfect. And then I'll be like, after I back up my phone. Yes. And then I'll say, okay. Oh, thank goodness. We're right here. <laughs> How convenient. How convenient. Who knew? You knew. Oh, I also got a new car. That has also happened since we recorded last. My basic instinct was to be surprised, but I knew you got a new car. You sent me a picture of it like the second it happened. Yay! You you saw my new car. You saw the inside of it. I sniffed it like a weirdo, too. 
well, I like a new, I like new car smell. People pay a lot of money to get new car smell in their car. I know. They'll even I pay love for a my new car. car. It's gorgeous. Thank you. It's gorgeous and you deserve it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm, I, it's very high tech too. Makes oh, me feel like Batman or something. Like Batman or that show in the 80s where the guy, uh, not night. Not night. I'm. I don't know why I'm thinking Nightcore. I know it's Matlock or Nighthawk or Nightwing. I don't know. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, David Hasselhoff talks in the car. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I gotta look the it up. The first thing that came to mind for me was Inspector Gadget. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. Actually, I, I was singing the theme to Inspector Gadget at work. Would you believe that it? You know that it came up. All right, I'm googling David Hasselhoff car. David Hasselhoff car. It's probably going to show you what car he drives. Probably. Uh, oh, the name of the Night Rider. Night Rider. I was dancing around oh, it. I was, there you go. I was really close. I was so close to doing it. Uh, so, Bubby, what are you going to educate us about today? Today, I would like to discuss a, a topic that people probably don't realize is pretty timely. Um, yes. And that is... Uh, Mr. Jim Jones. <gasps> it is very timely. Yes. Um, and did you know that there are a lot of people that don't know actually what it means when people say drink the Kool-Aid? I would believe it because people mindlessly say cliches or phrases and they have no idea what it means, myself included. So right. I, I do know what drink the Kool-Aid means, but that makes, that makes perfectly good sense. Right. We've got like this whole generation that has no idea that it was an actual thing that happened or, you know, like what it really means. Um, but it's become such a part of our like colloquialism almost. It's true. People don't even really think about it. We all have a, we also have a full generation of people that don't know what it means to blow on your video games to make them work. Or a full generation of people that don't know anything about T9 texting, where you had to press four 87 times to get to the letter that you wanted. That being said, my grandfather still has a flip phone and still T9 texts like a champ. Good for him. He is a champ. (laughs) I remember someone in high school being frustrated because it also had autocorrect. Do you remember that? Yeah. And well, they, well, the phones kind of still do. Whenever he texted me, don't the word don't he, it would change it to foot. <laughs> <laughs> My name would always get autocorrected too, because it's a country. It would get corrected to Yemen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but it totally did. And it tickled me pink every time. So Jim Jones, Jim Jones, James Jones, not James Earl Jones. He's a good guy. We like him. I was going to say his middle name is an Earl. Is it? That would be so unfortunate. I don't know what his middle name is. I didn't, I don't think I got that far. It doesn't matter. I got a lot of this information from a book called a thousand lives. The untold story of Jonestown by Julia Shear Shears or Shearers. Ooh, which I like a lot because she really focuses on the individuals who went with him to Guyana Mm-hmm. Rather than focusing on him solely or um, like the the mass quote unquote suicide, which was actually murder. But mm-hmm. we'll get to that later. We'll get um, to that. So she, she picks out these individuals and um, talks about them kind of one by one to illustrate the whole story, which I really like. But anyways, um, we're going back to, I mean, this is like peak of the civil rights movement was when Mm -hmm. Jim Jones really got his start. And I mean, it brought us 
leaders of a generation like Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, Angela Davis. And this is almost like this cautionary tale of like that, that some people use this incredible time of transformation and progress mm-hmm. to take advantage of people. <clears throat> <laughs> we won't mention anyone specifically other than Jim Jones. Other than Jim Jones. So good people can do shitty things and shitty people can do good things. Or at least pretend to do good things. Or pretend physically in action, do good things. Right. So Jim Jones was born on May 13th in 1931 in Crete, Indiana. He was an only child. His mother, Loretta Putnam, was described as crude, a drinker, and subject of the little town's rumor mill. I mean... Yeah, I mean, you gotta love that. <laughs> Woman after our own hearts. I was gonna say, it's semi-relatable. <laughs> uh, his father, James Thurman Jones, was a disabled World War I veteran. Mm-hmm. Neither of his parents claimed a religion when he was growing up, which is interesting, right? It is interesting. So they weren't necessarily atheists, but they were a-religious. Yeah, they were just meh. In 1934, the family was pushed by financial problems caused by the Great Depression to move to nearby Lynn, Indiana. Mm-hmm. They lived in a small shack without plumbing. Um, childhood friends noticed that, or noted that Jones was a really weird kid who was obsessed with religion and death. <laughs> he was una- unable <laughs> to find acceptance among his peers. And so he joined an extremist sect of the Pentecostal church called the Oneness. So it was basically like these, these other kids his age were like... Oh, who fucking invited Jim? Are you kidding me? Ah, Jim's here in our depression era birthday party, which is basically we're going to eat oranges on the sidewalk. (laughs) Damn it. Whenever Jim comes over here, he starts like preaching to the chickens and I don't know what to do. I never know what to do. It's like my mom made me invite him. I don't know. I wanted to pass out invitations in the class. So I had to invite everybody. (laughs) So consequently, Jim is here. He joins the Pentecostal church. And now my understanding of the Pentecostal church is it kind of varies. Yeah. But um, there are sects of it that are pretty strict in terms of like what the followers wear, what they do outside of the church, what they believe. Um, but this one was like, it took the cake as, as far as extreme. The extremist of the extreme. So instead yeah. of, so instead of becoming emo, because it predated emo, he, right. Because he didn't fit in, he joined an extremist religion group. Yes, he wanted to talk about how, um, I don't know. I was going to say he wanted, he, maybe he wanted to justify, like, why the, the kids who didn't want to hang out with him were going to go to hell. And that's, he wasn't. Well, I, 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 I guess that's fair. Anyway. <laughs> um, so his experiences at church led him to role play as a preacher when he was about 10 years old. Oh. So again, who wants to hang out with him? <laughs> it, like, like I said before, he pretended to faith heal chickens. Wait, he really, he really did. He really did. I yeah, thought you were just. <laughs> yeah. And he said, thank you, chickens, for being my guinea pigs. And they were like, because chickens don't talk. <laughs> or like my sister's chickens just walk around and go. It's like, okay, chicken. Do they do Anyways. that? When... <laughs> they, they do that like other than when they're laying eggs and stuff. Yeah, that's just, that's like their generic sound. Again, that's relatable. So one of the members of the church discovered Jim's passion for weird role play. 
and quote unquote started grooming him as a child evangelist, whatever that means. Uh-huh. Uh, Mom swiftly put a stop to his church going as soon as he began to have supernatural nightmares. She's like, Jesus Christ, Jim, you're 10 years old. You wake up in the middle of the night. You come into my room. We can't keep doing this. You're not going to church anymore. <laughs> like my, it's like my mother with horror movies. She's like, will you shut the fuck up? Yeah, well, we can't keep doing this. <laughs> like the time I got stuck in an elevator and my mom was like, did you really think the elevator was going to kill you? You watched too many horror movies. I was like, you don't know that. <laughs> I could just picture this conversation. It's cracking me up. <laughs> I was 20. Um. (laughs) Listen, I would have had the same reaction getting stuck in an elevator. No, thank you. I called my sister. I was like, if I don't make it out of here, you can have my stuff. She was like, will you shut up? (laughs) And speaking of mothers and elevators, I am not a fan of elevators. I'm really claustrophobic. so So I raise my hands over my head when I'm in an elevator. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, because I can, if I can extend my arms, I'm okay. So I raise my hands up. So when I have to take my mother to, if I take my mother to like a doctor's appointment or something, I'm in the elevator with my arms up and she just tells the other patrons, it's okay. She just doesn't like elevators. Do you do the same thing with parrots? Is that how you mitigate your fears? I just, I just typically, (laughs) I just typically avoid parrots. If you make yourself look bigger, Jordan, they will be afraid of you. <laughs> no, I have, I'm afraid if I put my arms out, they'll think I'm a parrot too. They'll probably perch on you. you no, 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 no. They could stay. When I did home care, I had a patient with a parrot and they like went to the, to, un, to open up the cage to let the parrot out. I'm like, listen, <laughs> you're about to have not a nurse in your house. <laughs> did it talk shit about you? No, it wasn't a talking kind. Oh, that's not fun. Why have a parrot if it doesn't talk? I I, I don't need for it to talk. <laughs> if you haven't already guessed, viewers, uh, if you didn't already know, which I'm sure you do, because you know us, I don't like I don't like bir- I don't like birds. I don't like parrots. They're tongue. One time, Jordan and I went to the Big E, which for those of you who don't know, stands for the Eastern States Exposition, which is mm-hmm. a giant country fair that became very commercial over time. But anyways. Um, they they had the, the chain though. Yes. They had this exhibit where like you go in and it's like the, a fake jungle. No. Nope. Do you mm-hmm. remember when you and I went together and, and yeah. oh, a, I man, remember. a man standing up front to take your $1 that you have to give to, to get in. And Jordan goes, excuse me, sir. Are there parrots in here? Hey, <laughs> he goes, he goes, well, they're animatronic. I mean, they're not real. Okay, that's fine. I still it still probably gave me the heebie-jeebies, but yes, I remember that well. And my therapist would say I coped well in that situation. Thank you. You did fine. All right, back to Jim. Jim. Um, so, in about nineteen forty-eight, in the town of Richmond, Jones first found the opportunity to exploit the exclusion felt by African American members of the community. He was a white teenager preaching about equality and God in a town, quote, where almost half the adult male population had once belonged to the KKK. So he was doing some pretty radical things. Right. Um, And he kind of, I mean, I can't speak from, like, I'm not really speaking from a place of historical knowledge, but I'm imagining like a white teenager is probably pretty immune to anybody doing anything violent. I would say that's fair. At 21, he became a student pastor at Somerset Methodist Church and attempted to integrate the church. So they were like, bye, bitch. And they kicked him out. (laughs) And they were like, we're not about that. (laughs) We're not about that life. 
He opened his first church in 1954, specifically in a neighborhood touched by desegregation in order to ensure that both black and white members of the community shared the same roof. So it sounds very wholesome, right? It's like sure. this, this time of turmoil where it's like on paper desegregation exists, but mm-hmm. socially it does not, you know, Correct. black people were still very much shunned by white people almost everywhere they went. Um, and, and here you have this white guy saying like, listen, we're all children of God. We should all be together. And it sounds very lovely on paper. Very good. Very good in theory and very good in practice. If that's truly what you believe. Mm-hmm. It wasn't spoiler alert. <laughs> mm-hmm. By 1960, Jones was married and leading what was called at the time, the people's temple full gospel church. His household consisted of, a, of adopted children of different races, including his black son who carried his namesake. So this was very much a... Um, it was pretty progressive for the time. It was pretty progressive for the time, but it was very much like... Um, it, it almost makes me think of like him accessorizing himself to make himself more legitimate. I was going to say the same thing. It was like, oh, it seems like it's a photo opportunity. Here I am with my group of multiracial children. Right, exactly. Say cheese, like, everybody. Look at how uh, how progressive I am. Look at how much I care about these causes. Because it wasn't just, it was, he had children that were white. He had children that were black. He had children that were Asian. So he was just kind of like, oh, look at my multiracial family. Aren't I so wonderful? Yeah, the, yeah, that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting to. And I'm not saying like. No, not at all. Yeah. Well, I'm not saying that the people that followed him were dumb or anything like that. Because it really looked like. He was being progressive and he really did care about these things. And people were like, fucking finally, somebody's standing up about these things. Right. That's that's kind of my, that's my value system. We're all children of God. We're all, mm-hmm. we're all worthy and we're all, um, we all deserve respect and love. And I dare I say equality, but still acknowledgement of, you know, of what we've been through in life. So somebody like this would be appealing to someone like me. So this isn't. No, not saying the people that followed them were stupid. Right, exactly. And that's yeah. why it's so dangerous is that it right. appeals to so many different kinds of people. People who, who are very well-intentioned. Sure. So he also claims that he had Native American heritage, but his relatives dispute this. They're like, Jim, no. just because you did that one ancestry test and it said that you were like 187th Native American. <laughs> and listen, that's, that's not always a good thing. Nope. No, that means ancestors probably did something not so good. Yep. That's that's a, that's also why a lot of black people have white ancestors because they were slave owners and they or, were doing some very not nice things. Or vice versa. Yep. Yeah, so before we go posting our ancestry results, let's think about them for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be weird though if it came up like like I know my family's history is from Especially my mom's side is from like the Austria-Hungary area, and it would be weird if it was like, no, actually, you're all French. <laughs> it would. Funny story. My aunt actually um, got an ancestry kit for a holiday of some sort, yeah. and she was avoiding doing it because she didn't want to ruin St. Patrick's Day. Oh no! <laughs> because we identify as Irish, and lo and behold, we are actually Irish. Okay, good. Yeah, no, my my uncle did one, and so. Him and my dad, their grandmother, so my great-grandmother, is uh-huh. like off the boat from Germany. She sure. came from, from Hamburg. And it said that he wasn't German at all. And we Ooh. were like, wait. Wait, what? <laughs> so I'm wondering if maybe like she's actually 
from somewhere else and her family moved to Germany. Correct. Yeah, that's, yeah. So all this, you know, all the countries that border, it's hard to tell. I right, don't know. Exactly. Anyways. Anyway. So one of Jim Jones' tactics to garner attention and solidify his leadership within his church was to have his congregation be, quote, witness to integration, witness to integration, where he would walk into a segregated church within the community along with members of his own church. And he it was kind of like, again, like, I'm white, so I have immunity, and I'm telling you that my congregation members are going to attend your service today, and you're not going to do anything about it. It was kind Mm -hmm. of like, yeah. So he would have his uh, congregation, who was both white and black, come into these white-only churches. And be like, <laughs> like, you want to fight about it? Like, what are you going to do about it? Ugh. He made a big show out of condemning racist attitudes and act or acts like restaurant owners not allowing black patrons. So like if he found out that a restaurant owner didn't allow black people in the restaurant, he would be like, he would go out into the community and be like, I'm never eating here again. These people are terrible. That kind of thing. Um, fearing some apocalyptic end, which he had all of these like ideas in mind about how the end of the world was going to happen. Mm-hmm. We'll get, we'll get eventually to probably why he moved his family several times, eventually ending up in Ukiah, California. If that's not how you pronounce that, don't come for me. It's not my fault. <laughs> don't, don't add her. Uh, most of his congregation followed him as well. Um, so he began deconstructing the Bible for his congregation noting its numerous, what he perceived to be errors and inconsistencies, using it to legitimize his paranormal powers. Uh-oh. So, for example, in a booklet called The Letter Killeth, there is a prophet in our day. Oh, this is a quote. I'm sorry. This is a direct quote from the booklet called The Letter Killeth. There is a prophet in our day who unquestion- unquestioningly proves that he is sent from God. He has all the gifts of the spirit as given in the Bible. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, working of miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. We must have a prophet who is living the Christ life to direct us in this hour. So it was at that point in time he started positioning himself as like a prophet of God. And that's when things started to go poorly. (laughs) The narrator says, he was not, in fact, a prophet of God. (laughs) He was not a prophet. I'm just picturing Jim Jones making a speech. I am a prophet of God. Freeze. He was not a prophet of God. <laughs> Let's see what else. So it was in, in San Francisco uh, that Jones' grandiosity really became out of control. Right, right. He truly believed that he had been selected to be God. Eh. So here's where the, it gets a little fun. He would plant individuals within the audience that he would, quote, faith heal. So like if I wrapped you up in a cast... And you were in a wheelchair and I was like, Oh I'm God. And you were suddenly able to like dance down the aisle because you didn't really have a broken leg. Well, yeah. So, but, but don't tell people our secrets. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. Uh, he would drug members with sedatives to prove his paranormal abilities, including sw- slipping quaaludes to old women under the guise of giving them vitamin C. So that's how much scum he was. And can we talk about that sedatives and old people typically not a good idea? Yeah, no. <laughs> can we talk about gerontologic considerations and CNS depressants for a minute here. Not a good thing. I don't know if I mentioned this later. I forgot what I wrote. But he gets to a point where he begins, quote, like testing people by drugging them. Mm. So that's 
really important to remember. So he does these like test runs of drugging people on purpose. Anyways, like to, to make- kind of like prove their devotion to him and their oh, faith in God. I thought you meant like to make sure it worked. No, he knew it was going to work. Oh, that's true. Um, so he boasted that he only needed a few hours of sleep per night, which tells me that he was probably bipolar along uh-huh. with his grandiosity. He was taking amphetamines that probably helped him not need sleep. That's true. Or it could have been FOS. What's that? Or it could have been FOS. I hate when people have been like, oh, I only, I didn't sleep at all last night. Did you really? Right, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, they genuinely don't. But most of the time people like to. Yeah, but usually it. like I, I have terrible insomnia sometimes. Yeah, and me too. You, I'll let you know about it like the next day where I'm like, oh, I'm so fucking tired. Like every 10 minutes. Correct. People are like, okay, go home. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I'm like a newborn. I usually sleep around nine hours a night. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I swing back and forth. Yeah. So if I get six or seven, forget it. Yeah. I'm fried dough. So he warned his congregation that someone was after him mm. and pretended to be shot, but they couldn't kill him. So he had a, he faked an assassination and he was like, well, they can't kill me because I'm God. Okay, Rasputin. He created fake propaganda such as the King Alfred plan, which posited that the government would put blacks in internment camps during a national emergency, kind of mm. like they did to Asian Americans. <clears throat> yes. So people were kind of like, it wasn't beyond belief that, that something like that could happen. Right, exactly. So he opened his third church in South Central LA in 1974. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I, for, I think I forgot to add in here that like he specifically opened up these churches in areas that were A, impoverished, and B, I think they were areas where there weren't a lot of black people mm-hmm. uh, living. So he kind of brought people in and kind of forced the community to just like deal with it. Okay. Um, But he was also doing things like creating jobs for people and building housing. So he was, the church was providing housing for people who are homeless and helping them um, get money. And so it looked like they were doing all of these really wonderful things. Yeah, so on paper, good stuff. Yes. And the the members of the congregation were very um, supportive of one another. And it was like a family, Mm -hmm. you know, like they were really like, like most church congregations kind of see each other as a family. Right. Help each other out when they need something. So that's kind of the world that he was creating, at least on the surface level. That's Mm -hmm. what it looked like. Yeah. At the height of its power, the People's Temple, which is now what it's called at this point in the story, Mm -hmm. held such influence that it helped to elect, hold your breath, you're not going (gasps) to like this. It helped to elect Mayor George Moscone. Moscone? George Moscone, yeah. City Supervisor Harvey Milk. And District Attorney Joseph Fritas. None of these men moved to investigate the later criminal acts of the church. So, you know, after the mass, again, quote, suicide that happened in Guyana, these elected officials that the People's Temple helped to get in a position of power were like, oh, I don't know her. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm not going to. There's nothing wrong. What? Oh, that, that really. Oh, damn. That does really bum me out. Yeah. It's um, really disappointing. So an aside. So um, George. um Marscone and Harvey Milk were pivotal in LGBTQ rights, and Harvey Milk was one of the first, if not the first, um, elected officials who was openly gay. Right. So he was very progressive and changed right. a lot of things. Right. So, oh, so they dropped the, so they, so they didn't do such a good thing on that one. You know what? A politician's a politician. They're bought and sold. You know, that's true. 
That is true. Yeah, it's that's a hard thing to remember, but it is something to remember. Yes. So reports of his erratic behavior began surfacing in the community thanks to former members breaking their silence about the cult-like atmosphere. Another thing that he did as a tactic of kind of pe- keeping people in the church was he would run these drills where people were forced to, um, on paper, confess like their darkest secrets. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. And he kept those things. Red flag, red flag, red yep, flag. as blackmail against them. Ah. So I don't know at what point people started leaving the church, but once they left, kind of like a lot of former cult members started telling people their stories. Like, this is so fucked up. Like, this is not what you think it is. It was awful. No, no, no. And people were like, hey, wait a minute. Uh, this Jim Jones guy doesn't sound like he's that great. Like we thought he was. Yeah. So, you know, he's already in this place. Like I said, I think he was bipolar. So he's got the grandiosity. He doesn't have to sleep a lot. He's also abusing substances. Mm -hmm. He's paranoid. Like from the get-go, he's paranoid, you know, saying things like these people are after me. The apocalypse is coming. And he really believed these things. And he had all these wild guesses as to when the apocalypse was going to happen and how and, and how people can stay safe and things like that. So he finally decided to invite his followers to Guyana, mm-hmm. which was, he had been calling this whole time, the promised land, the promised land. I'm going to take you guys to the promised land, you know, and we're going to live in this Christ-like life in peace away from all of this. And really once people started to get on his case about all of the abuse that he was doing towards his congregation members, he was like, all right, gotta go. Gotta Stop go. Fight. It's time. <laughs> Guyana, pack your bags, pack your bags. Let's go. Let's go. Uh... So I actually want to save the rest of the story once they get to Guyana and what happens thereafter for the next episode. (gasps) Are we doing a two-parter, Bubby? We're doing a two-parter because this is such a a big story that I think it deserves two separate parts. And I also think that it's we can very clearly, very clearly separate it between like Jim Jones growing up, like his early life, Mm -hmm. and sure when he gets to Guyana and the horrible things that he does once he gets there. No, absolutely. Cause I mean, imagine it's kind of like an abuser taking their victim away from their home. That's true. You know? And now they, yeah. they can exert complete control over them because the person has nowhere to go. Yep. And that's exactly what he does. Yeah. That's a huge step in exerting um, control and power over somebody. My gosh. And it was, it was actually really hard to find a lot of information about his early life because people so focus on, um, you know, Jonestown in Guyana. Yeah, sure. And, and what happened there because that's the big story. Um, but it's, it never would have happened without all this buildup. And I think leaving out the buildup makes it a little bit harder to see these people that he brought there as victims, you know, because mm-hmm. so often we look at the story and we're like, oh, those people all committed suicide because they were crazy and they just followed everything he did. But that's not what happened. No, that's not, that's rarely what happens in these situations. Um, I think it's important to really discuss the buildup too, because if we ignore the buildup and we ignore the progression, it allows it to happen again. Right. Exactly. Yep. And especially in a time like this, where we have so many well-intentioned people that want to do the right thing in terms of racial equality. Sure. Someone like this can pop up again. Yeah. So we can't forget that this happened. Right. And we prey on people's, these people prey on um, good intentions right. within individuals. Yes. Nobody, no, I don't want to say nobody, but the majority of people 
think they're doing the right thing, even if they're doing something that's terrible. Yes. They think they're doing the best that they can. They're, they think that they're fighting a true adversary. They think they're protecting their family. They think they're saving themselves. They think Mm -hmm. all of these things, they think, um, they're protecting themselves from a conspiracy. They think they, they think that the world is being duped. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons for people to do the things that they do. And most of them are well-intentioned. I'm not saying that they're not hideous and they're not wrong, but it's important to remember people in power can do great things and people in power can do terrible things. And if somebody can manipulate a group of people to do one thing, it's, it's not that hard. It's not. No, it's really, it's really not. Jordan knows because she manipulates people all the time. Yes. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's actually how we became friends. She's just manipulating me to stay in this friendship. It's been 15 years. Yes. (laughs) I'm a champ. I put it on my resume and everything. Except except not at all. I can't make people do a damn thing. I couldn't even sell Girl Scout cookies that well. (laughs) Um, I also wanted to read through a list of... This is the the hell is this place called? I don't have the actual official name. Cultresearch.org. Oh. Cults, extremism, and undue influence is the title of their page. Hmm. But it's their their list of characteristics that are associated with cults. Because really once, like we just said, like the the leader will kind of manipulate people into believing that this is the right path to take. And once people are in, they're in. Like they're in deeper than they realize. So here are some the, their list of characteristics associated with cults. The group displays excessively zealous and unquestioning, unquestioning commitment to its leader. <clears throat> and regardless of whether he is alive or dead, regards his belief system, ideology, and practices as the truth, as law. Questioning <clears throat> doubt and dissent are discouraged or even punished. <clears throat> Mind-altering practices such as meditation, chanting, speaking in tongues, denunciation sessions, or debilitating work routines are used in excess and serve to suppress doubts about the group and its leaders. The leadership dictates, sometimes in great detail, how members should think, act, and feel. The group is elitist, claiming a special, exalted status for itself, its leaders, and its members. Uh, The group has a polarized us-versus-them mentality, which may cause (laughs) conflict with the wider society. The leader is not accountable to any authorities. (laughs) The group teaches or implies that its supposedly exalted ends justify whatever means it deems necessary. Oh, boy. This may result in members participating in behaviors or activities that they would have considered reprehensible or unethical before joining the group, like lying to their family or friends or collecting money money for bogus charities. Mm -hmm. The leadership induces feelings of shame and or guilt in order to influence and control members. Often this is done through peer pressure and subtle forms of persuasion. Subservience to the leader or group requires members to cut ties with family and friends and radically alter the personal goals and activities that they had before joining the group. That's kind of like the major red flag that most people list is like, this person joins an organization and then they completely disappear off the face of the planet. It's Mm -hmm. probably a cult. (laughs) You're in a cult. The group is preoccupied with bringing in new members. The group is preoccupied with making money. Sounds like an MLM. I was going to say the same thing. I just went through a whole range of emotions and I'm like, ooh, 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 MLM, MLM. Um, members are expected to devote inordinate ti- amounts of time to the group and group-related activities. 
Members are encouraged or required to live and or socialize only with other group members. The most loyal members or the true believers feel that there can be no life outside of the context of the group. Oof. They believe there is no other way to be and often fear reprisals to themselves or others if they leave or often consider or even consider leaving the group. And that's it for the checklist. But that if was, you feel like you've that's, encountered that's, any of those, you might be in trouble, my friend. You might be entitled to compensation. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I am exhausted after that list. I know, right? That was a whole range of emotions and you know visuals. Ma- and- Do you know what it really makes me think of, though, nowadays is what? like the, the cult of, not the cult of, I don't want to outright call it that, but like the wellness movement. Because I feel yeah. like people like yes. pop up so often in that sect of society nowadays. Like there was that, um, I didn't watch it, but there was that documentary on um, Netflix that I think was called Guru about the yoga or no, it was about, um, what's the kind of, what is it called when you do hot yoga? Sweating a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who started, well, quote, oh, I don't know. I don't know. He just started teaching it. Other people started it. Bikram. Okay. So it, there was a documentary about him being essentially like a rapist, but he was like a cult leader because people really believed that he was like this guru of yoga. It's true. Yeah, it's true. And that's a that's a really good point because wellness, there's a lot of MLMs really tied up into wellness as, as well. And your wellness leeching over into other aspects of your life, not physically, but mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And that's when it starts to get sort of cult-like. Yes. And it's, it's such a great opening for yeah. people, these, these, these shitty people to come in because sure. we are as a society as a whole are such a sick, like we're so focused on we're workaholics because we have to be. Yeah. And so we're sicker, we're mentally ill, we're not taking time for ourselves. And it, it's a perfect opportunity for people to jump in and say like, well, you need yoga and you need essential oils and And the shake. And yes, exactly. You don't have time to work out because you're so you have four jobs. So just drink the shake and you'll lose weight, you know? Yeah. And it's It's just, it's perfect. It's a, you're right. You're exactly right. It's a perfect, it's a perfect storm. And you get people in their most vulnerable state because, you know, God forbid, if you're fat in this country, you know, you, don't have the right to live, even though most of right. us are <laughs> some degree of fat. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? On a positive note, yeah. Well, one thing I, I wanted to point out that I, when I went to the beach on my vacation, and mm-hmm. I always think about this, and maybe it's different because we're in like on the East Coast in New England, it's a very casual place, but sure. Whenever I go to the beach, I look around at all, especially all the other women, and I'm like, everyone looks fucking great. Yeah. Like, I see all these different body shapes and I, I never see myself thinking like, oof, you know, I think everyone looks fantastic. And it's usually because everyone's wearing a really nice bathing suit that suits their style. And Mm -hmm. I never see somebody who I think is like, God forbid, gross. No, never. Well, I think a lot of the issues are way more internal. I have I haven't ventured to say this. I've rarely, I don't think I've really ever seen somebody and thought, oh, like what's like what's yes. wrong with them? Why do they look like that? Like I've never I've never had that reaction to a person. I don't care. You know, you we're way more critical of ourselves. Right. And I think we're like getting what? to a place as a society where we we just don't care anymore. This is this is the shape this is the shape that we're in. 
Like my mom always says, if you don't like it, don't look at it. <laughs> exactly. Oh my, my, in the past couple of months, my standards of what I will leave the house looking like are very low. Yeah, mine too. Yep. I, I don't care. I have a random question for you that I thought of while I was hiking the other day. <gasps> Pray tell. What is the weirdest thing that you've Googled recently? <laughs> David, what, <laughs> what car, what car does David Hasselhoff drive? Um, <laughs> Oh my gosh, I do have a weird one. Um, <laughs> I was watching Kitchen Nightmares. Yep, my fave. And I, he went to a barbecue place. And by the way, I love barbecue. There is a food truck by my work and I have sat in my car eating spare ribs and oh, more times than I would like to discuss with, than I'd like to admit. And this adorable old lady went to Gordon Ramsay's table and gave him a chicken wing and he went, Oh, spare chicken wing. And I went, is that a thing? Oh, so you Googled it. I Googled, do you get spare chicken wings at barbecue restaurants and come to find out I misheard him. And he said split chicken wing. (laughs) So I'm like, why haven't I gotten a spare chicken wing at the food truck? And they're like, they're like, here, you know what? We made too many today. Here's one to spare. (laughs) It made sense. See, yo, oh, here's a little amuse-bouche barbecue style. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That is the weirdest thing I have Googled recently. What is the weirdest thing you have Googled recently? Well, I've never had a kitten before. So Luna is the first kitten I've ever owned. (gasps) Yes. When I got Clover, she was about two years old. Sure. Um, I think they estimate one and a half to three. They do. Um, Yeah, that's Hawkeye. Yeah, that's what Hawkeye was estimated at. So my Google searches have all been things about kittens. So like, why does my kitten do this? Yes. (laughs) How big is my kitten going to be? (laughs) Right. Oh, my God. It's, It's so true. You know how many searches I have about cat poop? Yep. Mm-hmm. Is this normal? <laughs> Thank God I haven't been Googling anything about their health because they're both healthy, but I just, it's about her behavior. Like one of her favorite things to do is I call it, she likes to be Halloween cat where she puffs up her tail and she arches her back and she tries to scare both me and Clover. Oh yeah. She, she also um, jumps out from like behind things to scare us. <laughs> <laughs> And both of us at this point are just kind of like, yes, can I help you? (laughs) She's in her My Chemical Romance phase, bless her. Yes, she is. She's, I don't know where she is right now. That's, that's, I can can just see Clover and she's sleeping, so. Clover's like, I don't know, the kid's in the other room. She's like, I'm not babysitting right now, mom. Get over it. Luna spent her first night out of her pen. (gasps) How'd that go? Last night. She did great. She slept next to me all night clover refused to get up on the bed she's like oh you and your new cat yep um and but except luna decided that she wanted to be awake at 6 a.m on a saturday so we we quickly vetoed that Mm. well (laughs) i woke up at a quarter to seven and i opened my eyes and then i was like it's still early so i tried to doze back off and i felt a paw tapping me on the forearm (laughs) Mom, excuse me. Mom. Hawkeye Pierce wanted his wet food. <laughs> and I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, and usually I can convince him that he wants to cuddle more than he wants to eat. Yes. Today wasn't that day. 
I, you know what I find that they, they're just, they need to be on the schedule. They're like Virgos. They're like, I don't, I don't want to eat. I just need you to feed me because it's time for that to happen. I think Hawkeye's a Scorpio, but anyway. But Luna was funny last night. She kind of like hid herself half under a pillow mm-hmm. and I couldn't really see her, but I could hear her purring. <laughs> They'll never find me here. <laughs> she's too much. She's, she's very entertaining for me. At least I think Clover just gets annoyed. They're, they're so, kittens and small cats are so funny. They're hysterical. Yes, they are. They're just clowns. They are. Well, Trapper still kind of is. Trapper's funny, but I think he's just funny. But it's true. They're like, they're endless animals are just endless entertainment. They really are. A puppy, um, well, I say a puppy, it was like an 80 pound dog, joined me on my run this morning. Aww. So I'm running and then I feel a presence and this giant Scooby-Doo looking dog is next to me. I'm like, hi. And his dad was close behind. So I started walking him back to his father and it was all fine. But he was just <laughs> wanted to join me in my jog. That that happened to my sister and I once we were on a walk and a, an Irish wolfhound to my absolute delight joined <gasps> us. because I love those. But if you don't know, Irish wolfhounds are six feet tall on their hind legs. So they're pretty oh. cute. <laughs> this was a big, this was like a greyhound, mastiff, big, big. He was definitely a mix of something. He was adorable. And he mm-hmm. was like, well, like he wasn't, he was just running beside me. He wasn't trying to nip at me or anything. Yeah. I was just like, hi. And he said, hey. I can't wait to So, you know, I try to be, I know me, I, I definitely want to rescue a dog. Me too. Yeah. The ca- uh, Hawkeye would be furious. Trapper would ride him like a horse. <laughs> you know what? I don't care what my girls think. I'm getting a dog. Your girls, my boys. Kayla and I are going to get shirts and that, that say boy mom and girl mom and the whole thing. We'll be like, oh, you have kids? we like, no, I have cats. She'll be like, okay, I, I'm going to go talk to someone else then. <laughs> do people say that? To, people say that to me all the time. And I, my answer is always, people say, oh, do you have children? And I say, no, I have two cats. Hawkeye's 10 and Trapper's. <laughs> <laughs> Trapper's six. You want to uh, see pictures? And then sometimes they're an animal parent too. And they're like, yes. Two crazy cat ladies over here. Yes. And you got to enjoy Black Cat Appreciation Day for the first time. Because Luna is black. Yeah. Luna's, I guess she's technically a tuxedo, but she has very minimal weight on her. I would say, I would call Luna a black cat. Yeah, for sure. Trapper, um, Trapper's fully black. Hawkeye is fully black, but he does have, um, Hawkeye in the sun. You can see tiger stripes. Oh, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Trapper's part Maine Coon, which means he's a big boy. So this is the cat episode, everyone. This is the cat episode. <laughs> Listen, tune in for the cat episode. We could do this all day. We could. Uh, uh, do I have to ask you a random question or are we good? Nah, I think we're good. I have we're to pee good. too, so I'm like waiting. Uh, yeah, I got chicken marinating upstairs that I gotta go. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta go handle. All right, guys, thanks for um, bearing with us on our little hiatus that we both needed. Yes, we certainly did, but I'm sure you needed it too. And thanks for joining us again. We love you. We love you. Be excellent to each other. Oh, find us on Instagram and Twitter at BiopsychPod and at Facebook, uh, Biopsychosocial Podcast. Yes. Um, Be excellent to each other. Google weird stuff. Um, Don't get into cults. If you think you might be in a cult, maybe talk it over with your bestie. And there are place, uh, uh, 
therapists that specialize in deprogramming from cults. I, we'll talk about that next time. I only say talk about talk with it, uh, talk about it with your bestie because my bestie is a therapist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's free therapy. <laughs> yes, and you get free medical advice. Perfect. perfect. It's a perfect exchange. It is. All right, everyone. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.